right, welcome to another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. And I think we got another classic episode uh, coming at us today. Because on today's episode, we're actually going to learn about the film industry. And this is one of, I love film. I'm a film buff. And so I'm always looking at TV, film, and just trying to pick up uh, what I can learn. And the best way to learn something is to go to the subject matter experts, the ones who are actually doing it on a day-to-day basis. Uh, So joining me uh, today is Latasha Cho Johnson. Welcome to Black Equity Podcast. Hi, DJ. Thank you so much for having me on. It feels good to be on this channel. You're very welcome. I'm, I'm happy you're here. Uh, I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time. Uh, for those who don't know who you are, just tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and your company. All right, so my name's Latasha, as you said, and I'm a storyteller. I am a filmmaker. Um, I, I have been telling stories since high school and it was about in my 20s where I okay I can maybe make this into a business because there's nothing else that I wanted to do so uh back in like 2013 I formed my own production company called the 1106 story and um I focus on all kind of content I shoot commercials I do event coverage those are like my bread and butter when it comes to trying to make some money money um but then I also do documentaries short films features you know I I mean I'm really into all kind of stories Okay, well, you're the perfect person uh, that I want to talk to about this world. So before we actually dive into some interesting questions I may have, I want to learn more about your journey. When you decided to take uh, storytelling to a professional level, what switched in your mind to say, you know what, this is just something I do on the side to know this is my business, this is what I'm going to do, ride or die every single day. What was that that switch for you? I I was lucky to have a dad who's a dreamer, right? So growing up, my dad was like the dad who would ask his kids, you know, what do you wanna be? Like, what is your ultimate goal? And he would never want us to say things like, I want to be a business person. He was always like, you know, follow your heart, heart desire. And so I had that inside of me already. I was at the University of Georgia. I was majoring in biology and chemistry. And, you know, I just really wanted to be an actress, a writer, director. I had did it in high school, but... But in college, it just was like so far away as far as it being a business, because in Athens, Georgia, it's just like, you know, a small little town. It's only the school there. Um, And I took my first acting class, professional one with Terry Vaughn in Atlanta, Georgia at Tree Sound Studios. And it was just like this feeling that I had inside of me after that day that I just I just knew that this was something that I wanted to do. I wasn't quite sure on my role yet. Um, I think the the most obvious path was for me to pursue acting because, you know, hey, that just seems like it's like the easiest thing, right? Um, but when I became like a business person, it, it, 
came out of frustration of not booking the roles that I wanted to book. It came out of frustration of not getting, you know, meaty roles of substance. I was always the hot girl, snotty girl, hot secretary. And it was just like, ah, like I did not leave school and do all of that just to be, you know, a hot girl. Right, right. <laughs> so I, um, so I, I joined this acting troupe in Atlanta called the Cinema Dolls. Mm. And they, I mean, it was five of us and they were just like networking experts. Like they would have us at every event, every everything. And then we started creating our, our own content just as, just as actresses to try to get attention of like the producers and the directors. And then that path just took me on this road to, well, I mean, people are wanting the content that I am making as an actress. I need to figure out how to, you know, incorporate myself. And so over the years, it's just been adding this, adding this, at, you know, and now I'm a full-fledged filmmaker. I actually had a day job um last year for like eight years and I quit that during COVID to 100% you know become a full-time filmmaker um and the moment that I quit my job I got my first network uh I got my first network licensing deal and oh. that was just like a catalyst for everything else it was just like information so tell us more about not necessarily the deal itself, but um, kind of the thought process that was going on in your mind when you have that in front of you. What, as a business owner, what goes in your mind when you have that deal in front of you? Well, as a indie business owner, right, I was always creating these things that I thought would be the next step to get me to that deal. I didn't really expect that something that I made in my own room, right, would be the thing that would be on TV. And so, um, and you know, this is why I love this episode because it's the business, right? I had this story, people knew who I was and it was like 2 a.m. and I just decided to make a website, right? And it was just mm -hmm. a small thing that I didn't have yet because in this age, it's all about Instagram, social media, but something, you know, just said, you know what? You should make a website. I went on, I went on GoDaddy, just, you know, got a, got a free page. Literally the next week, somebody has saw this docu-series that I did on YouTube and they just, searched the name of the production company and my website came up and I got this email from this network saying, hey, Latasha, I just saw your show on YouTube and I really want to talk to you about it. I'm like, what? Mm. Because for me, the website was just something I did just to do. And I didn't realize that when you're dealing with like huge businesses, they're not on Instagram, Facebook, really. They want to go to your place of business. And so that to me was like, all right, I got to really get my ish together. <laughs> so, right, you know, right, that's when right. I just, you know, started taking those steps. Well, that actually shows you the power of social media. The yeah. fact that they look at your YouTube channel, they see exactly what they want. They're not asking you to change. They're just like, look, the value that you're bringing in, we want to be a part of that. How do we do that? 
So that has right. to be years and years of work that goes into that. So then yeah. you're positioned for that moment. It, I mean, as an indie filmmaker, so much of what we do is not what our ambition is yet, right? Mm. We hope that our work matches this image in our head when we first started doing the project. But unless you have millions of dollars in your budget, something going to be off, right? That's why if right. you watch like a lot of independent films, the sound is a little weird or, you know, it's just something that yeah. just isn't like you see on TV. Right. Um, and that just as a business owner, it, it almost creates a sense of fear and shame inside of you where like you don't want people to see your stuff because I, because I was afraid at first that uh, people are going to judge me and say, you know, I'm like a bootleg person. I'm like, this is my whole life. And it's always so frustrating. And so I was like nervous to put out this body of work that I had been working on for like a year because there were so many little technical themes and never in a million years that I really, well, I can't say never in a million years because I did expect the best, right? right <laughs> but right, right. it was still like a hope. Um, I'm, and I mean, just to talk more about that project, uh, it's called The Transform. It is a docu-series uh, about the lives of three Black trans women in South Florida. And uh, this is like, again, the business of it. Someone had asked me to help them shoot a project. I had just moved to Miami. This was like 2019. Um, I had just moved to Miami and I had just made a commitment to myself. The next thing that somebody asked me to film, I'm gonna film it because I'm new in the city. I wanna, I want to, I want to network. And she, uh, the producer, Octavia, she had this idea where she just wanted to do a small question and answer YouTube type of series. But I'm a storyteller. I'm not just gonna do a question and answer. I'm, so in our first meeting, I said, I understand what you wanna do, but in order for this to be valuable to me and my life, I got to make it into something, right? right, right and right. so I uh, put together this uh, producer's agreement, which at the time felt extremely arbitrary. Like, you know, we're just doing this just to do it. But my advice to anybody coming up, even at the smallest level, put things down on paper because you never know how that's gonna come back around. And there's so many times where I just did things off of GQ and then something pop off and it's like, we don't got no paperwork. And so this person can just go off and do whatever they want. Exactly. And so when I had that conversation with her as small time as we both were, I was very clear, oh, I'm a business owner. And if I'm going to lend you my art, this is what I need in return. I want 50% of it. I was asking at for 50% of nothing at the time, a year and a half later became 50% of a whole deal, right? So mm. it's just, you know, being confident in yourself at every, at every single level. Um, and I found that when I work with other people in this same industry that are kind of like on my level too, right? We haven't all the way broken through, but like we're still working the thing that set 
people apart sometimes is the business. We're all artists, mm -hmm. but a lot of artists don't know how to send a simple email. You know, a lot of artists don't know how to do the corporate stuff that I learned in my corporate job, right? And that goes a long way when you're talking to network executives, when you're, you know, it's just, it's just small things that if you focus on it at the beginning of your journey, by the time you're 10 years in, you know, someone can mm. trust you with a million dollar budget, <laughs> you know? Right. So. Exactly. Well, you know, when I'm, when I'm having different conversations with different circles, you can definitely tell the difference between someone who understands business and someone who uh, has someone else handle the business for them. Just put it that way. Someone else is either handling the business, they don't know nothing about it. Like you'll even see in some of these uh, hip hop interviews, they'll ask an artist, do you have a 360 deal? And they're like, I don't even know. Like, I don't know what my deal is. Like, wait, what? <laughs> like, how, how is that possible? Um, so the fact that you do know your business what have you seen when it comes to opportunities that come on your table that you may have felt like, dude, like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why are you putting this in front of me, uh, trying to take advantage of me? Do you ever see any of those types of deals or has it been pretty solid? I was lucky enough in college. And this is why I truly believe that every step of your journey, even if you don't complete it, right? Cause I went to the University of Georgia but I don't have my degree. Um, and if I was being a pessimist, I would say, well, I just wasted my time, man. But I was lucky to go there and meet my best friend, Portia, who is a entertainment lawyer. Um, and so we met in the back of, of a random person's car and we had that conversation. What do you want to be when, when you grow up? I said, I want to be an actress. She said, well, I want to be a, a entertainment lawyer. So I'm going to be your lawyer. And five years later, we actually, you know, stayed on that path. I say that to say I was lucky in that every deal that was bought to me, I would give it to my girl who I just trust. Yeah. Um, and I was one of those artists, I would say like my early 20s, who didn't want to be bothered with the business. I was an artist. You know, I just want to focus on my craft. I'm in right. acting class. I'm in every class possible. Um, and so... I uh, had a partnership with a business person because, and like the thing was, I would write the content, create the content, and the business person would go out there and push it. Um, that was a mistake because I was never in the room. It mm. was my script, right? But I was never in the room. If I was on a conference call, I was on mute. <laughs> Mm. And I've learned that it's not necessarily about closing the deal. It's about those relationships that you foster while making the deal. So even though those deals didn't go through, if I had been in the room, right, that's the person that I could call for the next one. But, you know, I was taking a back seat to that because I didn't know. And so... Yeah, now it's like, no, I'm on every call. I'm reading right. every damn thing. <laughs> so so now so, that yeah. you're taking these calls and you're in the room, in, in some situations, you're maybe even creating the room for others to come to you. What is the difference now that you're actually able to hear those conversations? The difference is, I think it's all internal because mm -hmm. when I was trying to 
be in the room, I was always just looking up, right? And the moment that I got in there, it was a, a hey guys, so what do I want from me? You know, I'm just trying to get on. Um, and mm -hmm. once I had got that first deal out the way, right? It just became, it's not about these people. They're interested in what I, in what I create and what, and like who I am. So why right. the heck am I so fearful to be exactly who I am? I don't got to dress mm. up a certain way in this meeting. I don't got to do that because at the end of the day, I'm still an artist first, right? right. I left corporate America <laughs> for a reason. Right. And so I, you know, I now give myself the freedom just to be who I am in front of these people. Um, and I mean, that just, I mean, it goes a long way. It just, it, it goes a long way. I would say for the newer people, um, what I will say is industry standard though, there is a method to the madness. So a lot of new people don't know, just like even like the standard for like a script, right? Just like the basic format. At first, I was one of those people too. Like, I mean, I'm just going to tell a good story. My stories are good enough to have a deal on it though. Mm -hmm. But the more that I get into the industry, I'm like, well, there's a reason why the industry does it this way because it's most efficient. And what I've learned is with a lot of new people is they go all the way around the world mm. to do something where if they just knew the process A to B, then we, you know, it will go a lot smoother. The project would be better. Um, knowing what to be accountable for, you know, on a set. You can tell the new person from a person who's done it, a, you know, a few times. So. More of a streamlined process once you understand it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it makes you better once you learn the um, processes. And there was this one commercial director, I heard a story, he said that he's being more intentional of booking, uh, people of color who haven't had the opportunity to gain that industry experience. Um, and he said the reason why that they, you know, don't know how to show up the way that the industry wants them to show up is because they've never been in the room. They've never had the, you know, the opportunity. So we're being judged about things that we don't even know. Like, well, mm -hmm. this is the way you really do this. Like, I had no idea. <laughs> I'm just You're trying right. to get on. And that exposure uh, causes expansion. Once you're exposed to that way of thinking or that streamlined approach, now you can expand and duplicate yourself on multiple projects now that you know how to do it in a more efficient manner. But if you're doing all that just for one project that you was doing before, now how are you gonna do, how are you gonna scale that up to five to, to six to seven different projects? Yeah. and. The bigger you get in this business, the more people you have to work with. Starting off, it's probably just going to be you, right? And right. so you you already know where the cue in this song is for this, uh, you know, episode. You already know it. You don't have to make a list. But when I sold a show to a network, I had to all of a sudden now take everything in my head and put it in charts and docs and spreadsheets. And mm. because of my experience in corporate America, I had already had the know-how, but I know a lot of people who don't know how to use Excel, which sounds crazy to some people, but 
I mean, not everybody is on that computer like right. every single day. So once I started working with more people, I realized the work of being a storyteller, the work of writing out everything in your head to get this vision out because movies and film, it is a conglomerate of art. It, it is the camera movement, right? It's the actors, it's the um, music, it's the color. And like, those are all decisions that have to be made. Nothing just happened when you're working with 20, 30 people. Somebody got to do something, you know, somebody has to know what's inside of your head. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just the process of learning how to categorize the things in my head to get the picture out there. And that's just stuff I just learned over time, how you said like, now I have the um, the templates to where it doesn't take me three hours every time I have to make a cue sheet. It's like, oh, I just drop and drop, you know? But I had to go through the process. It was like the first time I had to make a, uh, a uh, invoice. That was a big thing because it's like, I don't know what my invoice is supposed to look like. Right, right. But now that I took the time to do it, now I can just, put in that number, send it off. So it's just those steps that the business side, in order to actually make money that you just have to go through, you have to try, you have to fail, and eventually you'll find your process. I love that. Earlier you were talking about uh, when you're in the room, you realize, well, these people are here because of my value. You know, as a creator, I think sometimes we forget that really nothing can get started without us, right? As a creator, everyone's kind of waiting on us to kind of give them the, the secret sauce or whatever the project may mm-hmm. be or what they're waiting for us to say, what is it? What is the next thing that we're about to go and build this, this world around? And I think that took, took a while for me too as a creator to realize they're waiting for you to, they're waiting for you you're looking up to them, but they, they're looking at you as just as valuable as them. Mm-hmm. That was a, a huge um, mind expansion for me once I tapped into that. Right. And they want you to be good. Right. I'm going to sit probably, down with you them. and just like hope you fail. Right, right. Right. So like take that and use it. Um, and I think coming into this business as an actress, you are kind of needy because you need somebody to book you, right? But right, right. being on the other side of the table now as a writer, director more, it's like, I want you to be good. And so all of those nerves that I like used to have, I see it now and I just wish I could tell them, just relax. I'm not even judging you on the stuff that like you think I'm judging you on, right? I know that you only had 30 minutes to learn these words, right? It's about more than that. So just, uh, I think it's like imposter, mm-hmm. imposter syndrome where like, you just don't feel like you really belong when it's like, no, we're here because of you. Like we're, we're looking for you. We're always looking for you. Always, you know kind of keep that inside of you, I think. That's powerful. Um, when we're talking about these projects, it makes me wonder, as new projects show up in front of you, how do you decide what's the right one for you? How do you decide 
if it's the project that you want to move forward with or not move forward with or the partnership. Or, I have to know this. When y'all come on here, y'all be it getting is. So I got to yeah. know, what, how do you it go through is. It's a struggle, I tell you. And I just had a long conversation about this yesterday because I'll, okay, I will hear an idea. I think that's a great idea. And like the person's like, yeah, you know, this is a short film. I'm going to shoot it in two days. Okay, cool, great. I can do that. Uh, and then I'm here a whole year later still working on the story. And so that's happened to me a few times, right? Because People have these ideas, a great idea, but me being a business person, I'm always going to look for the way to maximize it. And I had to learn for myself when I agree to be a part of a project, I am agreeing to like empty myself in this mm. and it's going to extend past those two days on set where it's like, all right, cool. No, it's going to be, I'm not going to leave you until it's done. Right. And right, that right. part is it can be crushing sometimes when you're nine months later and that little bit of money that they paid you for those two days last year is gone <laughs> but like right. you can't walk away or even say yes to the next project because i'm locked into this yeah um it's just something that i had to be aware of and then that's what made me raise my price because then yeah. i had to learn that my value though is I'm always going to give you the best of me. And it's always, and I promise you, it's going to exceed your expectations mm -hmm. always. Because that's like, I'm also coming from a sports background. So it's like, I'm going to finish the drill. I'm going to do what I need to do to get that trophy. But with that being said, now when I get a project, I really have to ask myself, is this something? that I wanna be still talking about and telling this story a year from now, two years right. from now. Maybe in this moment it's good for me, but knowing how this business is and knowing just how these things can extend because the better the project is, the longer that you're gonna be in it. Um, because you could post it on on, on YouTube and then, uh, and then a network calls and now you got to do like two months of work to get it network ready. And that's mm -hmm. a lot of work, right? And so mm. it's just like now I go through these development sessions with um, screenwriters, people who have a story that they want to tell. And I have to get the story to a place where it's like, all right, yeah, this is it. Um, before I actually say yes. I told my friend the other day, I would say my, I will say yes to death, right? I would just like, okay, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the next thing you know, it's like 5 a.m. and I'm like on the verge of tears, like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> Why did I say yes? Because I've done too much, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just like knowing your value truly, like truly, and charging people what, what is going to make it worth it for right. you. Because as much as this is an art, <laughs> I still need to be fed, you know. Right, right. definitely. Definitely. Earlier you talked about 
Atlanta, then I heard Miami. Where has this talent of yours, where is it taking you? And where do you want it to take you? It has, it, it has taken me, I would, Atlanta and Miami were my main two cities. And I haven't really been to LA a whole lot. I've been to LA like five, like, I guess like five times. And coming into the business, it was like LA was a dream. Like I'm about to move to LA, right. I'm gonna make it. And then Atlanta started to just blow up and right. it felt really good to, to create and tell stories with my friends, with people who look like me, with people who talk like me. Um, and so my, my hope is to continue doing that and not have to go across the country, right? I want to be able to make one of these, right, in Atlanta with my people. Um, uh, when I moved to Miami, uh, I moved there because of my corporate job. I used to be an uh, ambassador for Moet Hennessy. And that was like the perfect job for a person like myself. And that was a part of my five-year plan where when I left school, I said, I need to find a job that I can work from home, that I can be in charge of my own schedule and make a lot of money. Uh, And I mean, now everything is work from home, but in 2011, that was like a rare, rare, rare thing, right? (laughs) Right. And so... I decided to be a promo model because somebody was like, if you stand here and like hold this right, I'll pay you $50 an hour. I was like, this is not an hour. I got to work eight hours at the mall just to get $50, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I am going to do that. But this also goes to show you about having like a business sense. Um, All of the other girls I felt like were just trying to model and like get their checks. This was on my five-year plan because I saw that my boss, he worked from home. He got to do whatever he wanted. And I'm like, well, I'm going to make myself so valuable to him and this team that when he's moving on to his next thing, I'm going to be right there. And that's literally how it happened. And it kept happening. I would just set my intention every time mm-hmm. I got something like, um, I, I want a job that's going to help me with my dreams and my, and my passions and working for a company like Moa Hennessy, right? It's just like, you know, they are, for me, it's like a Nike, right? It's like, they're mm-hmm. just triumph. And, and right. so uh, I was able to just, just live. I was able to like work at night from like 12 to 4 a.m. Um, in the club doing events in Atlanta. But then throughout the day, I'll like send some emails, you know, do that on the side, but I'm making movies during the day. Right. And um, then that took me, I kept uh, getting promoted, which is good. Again, you have to make yourself valuable to these, um, to these companies. And they promoted me and they sent me to Miami. And that was a heck of a, a heck of an experience, especially if you're from Atlanta in Miami, it's like anytime somebody comes to town, I'm the plug. And right. it's like, I let everybody know, <laughs> this is what I do, right? But I also make movies. I always kept movies in my forefront. Yeah. I never wanted 
to get lost in a job, even though I had the most amazing job, it's just, I still had to let people know. And then when I left my job last year, was that last year? Gosh, the time flies. When I left my job last year, it was, okay, I felt like I had went as high as I could go splitting my brain space between these mm -hmm. two worlds. And I really had to make the decision of, I was losing work because other people had more experience. Other people had more this and that. And I knew that I couldn't get this, that, and the third if I'm trying to work over here. So I left. You know, in your story, there's a couple things that are standing now. I'm gonna try to get to as much as I can, but I know I'll be rambling. What do you think of caught what was the catalyst for Atlanta to become the next Hollywood or the they call it Black Hollywood, depending on who you are. But what do you think was the the catalyst to cause Atlanta to rise up and be able to offer the same type of value? as a Los Angeles or a New York. What do you think it was about Atlanta? Money. Um, in Georgia, there is the Georgia Film Tax Credit where if you have a film production and you decide to film in Georgia, then I think it's 30%. You get 30% off your taxes. When you're mm. shooting a million dollar movie, that's, that's $300,000. When you're shooting right. a $10 million movie, that's $3 million. Right. And so, uh, Georgia and its great politicians fought for this tax credit. And the states around us, North Carolina had that. I think that they lost it. We do. Um, Louisiana had it. I think that they lost it. And at one point, all of our surrounding states lost their film tax credit because for some reason, Republicans in their state was like, no, this is bringing too much money to our state. And so they cut it. And so all of those like Southern productions came to Atlanta. And then mm. it was like this boom where it became really noticeable. I think around 2015, 2016, where all of these people from LA were buying houses in Atlanta. Mm. It was like my friend, she had did this movie. Um, it's, uh, it was a feature film and they had flew her to Florida for her role. And she was on a private jet with a bunch of people from like Sony. And they were all talking about how they're trying to find a place to live in Atlanta. One, because it was cheaper um, just as the cost of living, but also it was just cheaper to film. And they were able to save money and fly their talent to Atlanta, which is a whole nother story. Um, but it, it just, it just became about the money. And so that's why it's also important for people to be involved in their local politics because mm -hmm. if they were to snap their fingers and say, okay, no, we're not gonna give y'all this discount anymore. They're gonna go to the next place that's um, gonna be cheaper. So I don't think it's just a love for the city per se, as it a, it's a love for more profit that we have to protect. Great answer. I didn't even, I knew about the credit, but I didn't even, when you said money at first, I was thinking, oh, okay, the credit itself, right? That being the money. But then when you really open my mind is, well, it's really cheaper to make the movie down here than in these other places, especially on top of uh, you're getting the credit. It's just advantage on top of advantage on top of advantage. And I'm sure the weather helps too. 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, if it was always uh, a, a certain type of weather, it may not have helped. But I think the conditions uh, helped out as well for Atlanta. I'm happy, you know, be, me yeah. being in Charlotte, you know, only being three hours away, um, you know, we get a little bit of access to that type of world now instead of having to go all the way up the East mm-hmm. Coast or all the way on the other side of, of the coast. Yeah. And it's it's so funny now because everything is filmed in Atlanta now. Everything goes through. Um, you could literally click on I think any movie and I could like spot, ooh, that's that's like a place downtown. And that's the best part about the city though, or the state in general is there's so many different types of locations. Right. So is you know, it has its signature look but it's definitely um a chameleon of a city i think so before we let you go there's a couple things i gotta make sure we talk about um so by the time this airs uh this would have already came out but i definitely want to get your uh, opinion on this we have coming to america too what do you think is going to i want to set this up with context for me, this is the, the first major film, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that's coming out without the uh, full support of theaters, if that makes sense, right? And I'm looking at the other movies that have come out um, over the last few months. I don't know if anything is, has this big of a brand as coming to America. So for, 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 for me, this is almost like a guinea pig to kind of see how digital streaming is going to be uh, through Amazon, how many people are they going to be, be able to bring in and watch this show and the experience and people tweeting about it and talking about it on social media? How, uh, first question, how do you think the movie will do? And then how do you think this impacts digital streaming overall? Um, I, I will say that in the last month and a half towards the end of January, a lot of these major movies like the Wonder Woman, even Judas mm-hmm. and the Black Messiah, um, American Scan, those were movies that probably would have made a really big splash in the theaters that they took it to streaming. And yeah. from what I've read, they've done really well. Right. Um, Coming to America is more unique to our culture because that was a blockbuster film. And there's so many beautiful Black people employed in that movie. When I saw the trailer, I'm like, Somebody got to hire like a hundred black actors. That is amazing. Right. Um, but I think it would do well. I think that they probably got a a cute coin. Um, because again, money rules the world. So I don't see a distributor um, you know, losing money because it's going on a streaming platform, especially because everybody is streaming now. Um right. I think it opens the door, though, for so many more people, because when you see Eddie Murphy on Amazon doing a movie, it's like, oh, okay. So, you know, the the end goal isn't just to be on the big screen. It's just to have your work placed somewhere to be shown to the world. Exactly. So that's just, I mean, it feels good because this is, I think, the best time to create and put it out there. Um, I I was at this uh, filmmakers forum last week and it was a bunch of black movie executives. Uh, It was like Aaron Edmonds at Lionsgate, Alana Mayo at 
at O'Brien, Elon Johnson at Tyler Perry. And they were all talking about how this is the best time to be a black creator because everybody's trying to buy black content. Mm -hmm. Everybody is, you know, so like make it, create it and put it out there and somebody's going to snatch that ish up. And I am a testament to that because I made a show about three black trans women um, and really just trying to do that as a way to shine light on this um, on uh, this issue that uh, affects our our community. And I got a call from four white executives who wanted to buy it. Mm -hmm. It was something that they probably would not have made on their own, but they were out shopping and saw it. And I was like, I want that. Um, and so the more that other bigger stars continue to do, I think streaming, they just continue to open up the floodgates for people like me who are just like, yeah, I'm here too. <laughs> Definitely. You know, when I was looking through your social media, I did see that you've attended a few film festivals. I'm wondering what has been your favorite film festival and why? You know, Sundance, I went to Sundance for the first time last year. And that mm -hmm. was an eye-opening experience because again, I was always looking up to Sundance. It was like, that was just Ooh, like the there goes again. Yeah. Of, of just film, right? And then when I went there though, I was just so surprised and in love with the fact that all of these people here though are regular people just like me. Mm. They are artists just like me. And yeah. the black community though at Sundance is very, very, very small. So like, if you see a, if you see a black person, it's like, hey, what's up, what's up? And so then like, <laughs> through that right i was able just to meet and connect with so many really mm. dope people and so i think like when i go to a black film festival that's already expected right right but when i went there it was just like it, it just took off i think like all of the glowy lights around around sundance and the prestige of the industry and it's just kind of it all the way down to you know make it feel really attainable really reachable like if i continue to work hard i could be on that stage too you know so that's awesome yeah i always wanted to attend and i'm looking forward once everything is moving the way i wanted to move to going to some of these film festivals and really taking it in and making those connections uh for me uh, operating through investing and, and uh, media, it's, you know, how do you get that project uh, financed the right way? What is all needed to produce a film? Those are the kinds of uh, questions someone like me uh, is looking for at some of those events. Money. And this is another thing. Anybody can finance a movie, right? Anybody. Right. And and in this indie world, it's not about like the big producers. I mean, it is at the very end, right? But right. there's a lot of people who really believe in their child's talent and would pay you $25,000 to make a movie for their daughter to star in. That is something that happens a lot, you know, because all of us have a story to tell in some way. I think that every person on this planet at some point probably thought, I have a story, right. I have this idea, 
Um, but it's the storytellers, people like me, right, who have found, you know, who have worked hard to understand how to do it, who have at least tried. And so when you have that value, right, there's a billion people out there who want to tell a story. Anybody can finance your film if they got a coin. I've had people, I have, I mean, I, I have people DM me like I have $5,000. Could you do anything with that? I'm, you know, trying to be a producer on, you know, something. I'm like, okay, we can talk, maybe. <laughs> you know, let's just see. But right. yeah, I mean, it's really about just the paper because it costs a lot of money to do this mm -hmm. at every single level. And I mean, if I got to find a hundred people to give me a thousand dollars, I'm going to do that too. So. So how do you, without getting too specific on any of your actual deals, how do you explain to an investor the type of return that they can see, especially with the current market in it? Like, okay, so where, where are we going to see the return on this? Because if we can explain that, I'm sure we can get some people lined up, you know, to be part of investing in these types of projects. Child, that is the game, right? <laughs> that is the game on how to actually make money from it right. on the front end and the back end. Right. Um, if the, I kind of look at it as, let's see, how can I best say it? It's like you take a chance, right? is not a gamble, but you hope for the best that you, that we as a team of people who are working on this story are going to create something so compelling and provocative that A, either a bigger stream of would purchase it, license it from a stream, whether that's like a structure of, um, Let's say you do something with a network who has a channel on Amazon Prime, right? 30% of it. Well, if we make something that is streamed a million times, right? That could be some change that is um, broken up between all of the investors and like people who have put money in it. Um, so on the back end, uh, and again, everybody's buying movies, whether it's like BT, um, TV one, mm -hmm. uh, all black, you know, there's, I mean, there's a lot of platforms for us who are looking for our stuff. So right. even if you put in the money, it's not a guarantee that you're going to get the money back. Uh, but you just got to make the best project that you can make. Like you just, you, and, and again, you have to set your intention. When I set an intention at, at the beginning of every project, Somehow that intention carries me through and God opened doors and it was my intention to do this and also make some money. And then this person saw this trailer and now they want to buy it. It's just like, you can't really map it out. You just got to do it and mm -hmm. expect the doors to open for you. I mean, I, I wish I had a more clear answer, but yeah. Have you ever read a book called Alchemist? The Alchemist? I do. I love that book. Santiago. Now, I, I don't want to mess up the quote, but it basically was saying that once you decide on something, the universe conspires to give you everything that you uh, decided on. Something like that. Sorry if I messed it up <laughs> well, a little bit, but that's exactly how I see it. 
is once you start stepping towards what it is that you always wanted to do, you always wanted to be, be this producer, find the right people, create the right project, and then see where find that- Find the story. Find the story. Now, because we just tapped and into something. Also, oh, you can't be taking everybody's money. <laughs> no, you can't take everybody's money too, because you should not mm. take everybody's money. Because understand that when someone gives you even a dollar to make something, they have a say. And you right. also have to make, make a decision on, is this the person that I can work with? Is this the person that I can argue with? I can fight with sometimes because we are going to do that. You know, it's going to be a push and pull, but it just got to be a vibe there, right? You just can't be like, okay, yeah, <laughs> he got some money. I'm about to work with him. And then next thing you know, he wants you to put his uncle in the movie and he wants mm. you to put his mama in the movie. And it's just right, like, right. well, damn. Right. Now I no, got this movie right. I'm not really proud of, quote unquote, you know. That's great wisdom. Uh, you can't take money from everyone. Okay. Um, how can people collaborate with you? How can they partner with you? Strategic partnerships, invest in anything that you're doing. What is the best avenue for access to you? Email. I love my email so much. Um, social media is big as well now. So if you DM me on Instagram, I will catch it and probably read it and um, respond. But I love when I get a nice a nice email from somebody who wants to work with me. Uh, it just feels more professional and I think intimate than just like a DM. So I love to be emailed. <laughs> okay, cool. And so uh, I will have the email in the show notes uh, for anybody who is uh, interested in connecting with you. Do you want to say it real quick? I'm not sure if you had yeah. a chance to say it. It's pretty easy. It's Latasha, my first name, L-A-T-A-S-H-A at the1106story.com. T-H-E-L-L, ooh, not L-L, oh my gosh. Latasha at the1106story.com. L-A-T-A-S-H-A at T-H-E-1106-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Now, before we head out, last two questions. I would not, be, I could not have a conversation with you and not ask this question. The 1106. I think I know what it, where it comes from, but let, let our audience know why you decided to name your company 1106 story. So when I was growing up, I felt like I moved around a whole lot, right? I was raised by a single dad, which in itself carries some insta instability. So we would always move around. My grandma's house was 1106. That was her That was her address. And it was like just the one stable place in the world where I always knew I could always go to. It was, mm. and it was a place where all of my aunts and my uncles, I had a really big family everyone would just go to the 1106 right and when we would all get together we would just tell stories I would like literally it was my um uncles would be da 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 I would be with the cousins telling this crazy story and it was just a place where I fostered my imagination um and when I was thinking of a name for my company I was like the 1106, right, that number, it just, it just means like family. 
it it just takes me back to just talking to my cousins and like telling them this crazy story of something that didn't happen but it wasn't a lie it was a story <laughs> so mm-hmm. like I just took that with me my whole life and it is something that makes me smile every time I see it I love that last question Atlanta I see you got your magic city sweater on you got I I, I feel it I respect it who has the better food is it Atlanta, Atlanta. or Miami Atlanta hands down is that easy hands down for me it is I okay. just I'm always going to choose Atlanta just because I love Atlanta okay. forever I love Atlanta Miami is cool because there's a lot of diversity as far as cuisines it was like the first time I ever had Haitian food um mm-hmm. but at, I mean Atlanta just has a charm you go to Busy Bees, Mary Max like I mean there's a lot of just iconic delicious food in Atlanta so okay I am a southern girl so I take rice gravy and macaroni any day over anything I definitely understand that what are your final thoughts to uh, those who are coming up in the industry and maybe about to start their own company? Any advice you have to them as they're listening to this episode? Trust your, trust your dopeness. Trust your journey. Don't, don't question yourself when your work doesn't look like you imagined it first would look like. Don't feel shame over the stuff that you create. Be proud of it. Because understand, it takes guts to even attempt this thing at the level that we're that we are that we are attempting it. We're going up against people who got a hundred million dollars to make a movie, right? We got a hundred dollars. That to me is brave as F. It's, it is something that should propel you forward because the further you go all of those small little things that like you feel cripple you are just going to be washed away the moment the moment that you meet like another another person who wants to be on the journey with you um find find your team find your squad because you can't make a movie alone it's possible but it's really 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 hard so go out there and find other storytellers, find other filmmakers to work with at every level, right? Because tomorrow somebody could be uh, the next whoever, right? So work with people, do right by people and finish the movie, finish it. <laughs> Even if it's not perfect, find a way to just say be in so that you can move on. You have to leave those footprints in the sand at every level, because when you become that hundred millionaire, you're going to wish that you could show people, no, I didn't just come up overnight. I've been mm-hmm. in this ish since I was trying to make movies on my phone. So right. just trust the journey, leave those footprints in the sand and just keep going forward. You got to go through it, whatever it is. <laughs> Natasha, I want to say thank you so much for coming on Black Equity Podcast. You provide a unique perspective to a world that many people want to know more about. And so the doors are always open. Anytime you want to come back, if there's a, a project you're working on, if there's any initiatives that you're working on, please feel free to come back and continue the conversation with us. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, DJ, for just having me on. I love having this conversation. It's uh, something that I don't really ever get asked that that often to talk about the business side of it. So I enjoyed myself and I hope some, somebody got something from it. <laughs> I got something from it. So I know somebody else will too. I'll talk to you again soon. Uh, thank you for coming on Black Equity. Thank you.